Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. We have a wonderful program tonight. We have Mrs. Beth Warren with us, who's going to be discussing health issues, diet, summer uh, issues about uh, your health and your diet, and children, she has is her specialty. So get ready to ask some good questions and to listen to some very inform- interesting information that she's going to share with us. But before we begin, I just want to uh, mention something we said last week. And I want you to know that last week, aside from the usual calls about 7-Eleven, which I always get, but, I, but a tremendous number of people responded to the uh, free offer we have. And we're going to renew it again this week. I don't know how much longer we'll be able to, as long as the magazines are there. But you can get a free 136-page kosher travel guide, all ready for 2015. Kosher travel guide to 307 cities that we put out every year. This is the largest number of cities we ever covered, but it's 136 pages, and you can have it free except for the postage, which is $3. So you can call us anytime, do it tonight, start right now if you want, 718-336-8544. Again, 718-336-8544. If you're not going away now, you might go away later on the summer. You definitely could use this. It's, a, we, it's an, our opportunity to let people know about what we do. So again, 718-336-8544 or email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. You could text or email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com. And now with that uh, free thing, it's, it's $3. Just give us a credit card or you send a check in the mail. We'll tell you how to do that. And you'll get it right away because we mailed them a tremendous amount out this past, past week. So we, we still have a supply. So if you want to, get a, take advantage of it. It's the best offer we've ever had. Okay. Now, without further ado, we have on the phone lines Mrs. Beth Warren. Are you there, Mrs. Warren? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a long time since we spoke. Uh, yeah. I, I want to know what's happening with you. Have you put out that second book yet? No, not yet. It's actually in the process of being written. Okay, it's still being written. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically working uh, with children, I, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, it's going to be working with kids. Very, very good. I I'm, I'm think that's going to be... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from the first book, but I got a feeling that that's going to be one that's going to be uh, quoted and used a lot in, in many different ways. So that's, that's very exciting. Uh, just yes, remind, for sure. Just remind me again the name of the first book because I don't have it in front of me. It's about real food, but I don't remember the exact title. Sure, it's Living a Real Life with Real Food. Living a Real, and Beth Warren, that's W-A-R-R-E-N. They can go, they can get it on online, I'm sure. And if they want to get it directly from somebody else, who else do they get it from? Yeah, well, it's in Barnes & Noble's, but um, BethWarrenNutrition.com, they that, could see all the information on there. Right, that's where you'd go if you want to reach you, BethWarrenNutrition.com. And I tell you, mm-hmm. that, that book is very good. I, I distributed a number of copies, as you know, and uh, they it was very well received. Some people bought several oh, thank copies. thank you. Some bought several copies and gave it to different people. See, when it comes to something like this, which is diet, nutrition, this, there's so much lack of knowledge and so much confusion that people need to be directed. And that's why we have these shows occasionally. I mean, obviously we're supposed to do with Kashras, but I think it ties in well enough. And besides, everybody needs it. So without further ado, let, let's discuss, um, you know, what, 
what the summer means to us now because we're at the summer what is the Beth Warren, uh, you know, nutrition say about the summer? What's uh, what? What should we be doing? What should we not be doing? Yeah, well, um, each season presents its own challenges and op- and opportunities. So, in the summer, you know, we're usually a lot more active, um, or when we go outside, where it's a lot hotter, we're using a lot more energy, we're sweating a lot, so we get really, really hungry, and that could work to our advantage uh, if you're fueling yourself with healthy food options, but it also could be interesting when, you know, let's say kids are coming out of the pool and they're really hungry and then there's all junk food in front of them, guess what they're going to be eating. So you have to uh, kind of compensate in the right way when children and adults are being more active that we have the healthy snack options because we are more hungry and we are um, also very, very thirsty. And hydration is another big key factor for the summer and we confuse the two signals of hunger and thirst at sometimes, and one is major reason for overeating in the summertime is because you really are thirsty and need to stay hydrated. So also, though, the summer is just inspirational in general just to try to eat healthier. There's such a great fruits and vegetable season. Everything's in, in season and, and fresh and delicious, so we could really use certain things to our advantage. Well, I think that's very important, but is it possible that, we overdose on the fruits. I mean, the watermelon or something. Sometimes oh, yeah, would... and watermelon is a key one because, first of all, it's so good in the summertime. And it is has tons of water in it, 95% water. So because of that, we really use it to hydrate, and that could work to our advantage, like I said. But, yes, there is also sugar in watermelon, and we do have to watch that. It really shouldn't be more of a one-cup serving in a, in, in, an, in a fruit. At times on Shabbat, let's say, for example, you know, we'll cut a whole huge watermelon and it'll be gone within 15 minutes, you know, between the whole family. And we, you do have to be cautious of portion sizes. And a key factor in that, like I said, it would be also to be drinking water and staying hydrated. You don't feel that thirst and you're quenching it with the watermelon. So it, it could work because it is so nutritious. It has tons of potassium and lycopene and the redness of the, of the watermelon and all these nutrients. But we still, yes, have to be conscious of portions because there is still sugar in fruit, even though it's natural sugar. Now, you were talking about, um, you know, having good food, uh, healthy food options, snack options. You want to give us a couple of ideas for the summer specifically that would be, you think would be satisfying either for children or for adults? Yeah, for sure. So it's funny how in the summer I, I really uh, meet tons of parents and especially ones that have schools that just, kind of excuse it and say, oh, well, these are pool snacks. Or, you know, <laughs> I'll see them in Costco's or BJ's or these big stores, and they're stocking up their wagons with these massive sizes of candy, and they're saying, oh, well, it's the pool stuff, or it's for company, <laughs> or it's for this, or it's for that. I have guests over. There's, and, it, and how many times do they go a week of these big stocks? They, they go multiple times a week. So it's not something that we could all of a sudden excuse and say, well, it's the summer, and I have a pool, and I'm having people over. It's not to say that you can never have candy or a treat. It's that every single option they're buying is sugary ices, the powery drinks, Twizzlers, you know, multiple choices that are not healthful. And you could still have snacks and make them a little more nutritious. You could still have, let's say, chips, but you would opt, let's say, for a whole grain tortilla chip, where at least that has fiber in it because it's made from corn. You would, let's say, pair that with a hummus or an avocado dip. And 
or even the sauce is not terrible, especially if you get a low-sodium variety because there is tomatoes and vegetables in it. Um, it's those sugary snacks, like like I said, the Twizzlers and those just liquid sugars. If, if your child or and you are staying hard, hydrated throughout the day with fluids and water, there's no need to bring out these sugary drinks. They were made for people who are running marathons and need to refuel in a very calculated way. It's really not necessary to just give over these sugary drinks to kids in the summer. Um, water should always be available and the first option. Um, but then we were talking about the food. In, in, this, in this situation where they're coming out of the pool hungry, you should definitely give them fruits, fresh fruits, even if you don't want to cut up melons. You could just have whole apples and whole fruits. And um, it's, it's a much better option. And then, you know, let's say, for example, my mother would take out at the end of the day, you know, an ice is option for everyone to have. It's not something that's just available on the table for just a grab and go, you know, let's all get out of the pool and, and stuff in our mouths with six handfuls of chips and then jump back in the pool. Like, that's the kind of behavior that you're seeing. And people have to be aware of that, that if you, even though you're buying it for guests or you're buying it for people to come to your pool, your family is eating it too. And also, it's a mixed message if you are expecting your children not to want it or eat it, and then you're giving it to guests. So you have to just be... Uh, cohesive in, in what you want to teach your kids and, and what you want to have available to them. And everybody's supposed to eat like this. And, and otherwise, it gets very confusing and it, it causes a, a more of like an argument situation as opposed to like a peaceful, happy, let's all enjoy this uh, time. Mrs. Warren, you mentioned the, the, the drinks. That's an area that's very, very big topic today. I, I, I know that the sugary drinks, especially the sodas, you know, it's, and it's not just the sodas, but some of these so-called juices, which are really uh, pumped up uh, sugar with little flavor in it, and, and, and some juice used. To, you know, th these drink they call drinks instead of juices. Uh, can you maybe elaborate on it? I, I want for us to know what alternatives to water would you recommend? I mean, some of these fruit juices are so high in their sugar content that they are uh, just as bad as soda in some ways. What, what what do you think we, we, we what could we possibly do in the uh, in in the hydration area other than water? Yeah, well, like I said, you know, really water is the first option, and and if you're really sticking with that rule, um, the other choices of juices really are not so appealing to kids anymore because your your their first thought is to go for the water. But if you wanted to pick um, more of a more of a flavor, I love seltzer, seltzer water, and that has, like, different flavors to it, um, lemon, lime, and black cherry, as long as there's no artificial sweeteners. Those are also great options. If you are having guests over and it is by a pool setting, you should make your water fun, which I've been doing a lot this summer. Um, it's so much more hydrating. You could put lemon or limes in your water, mint leaves, things like that. It really adds a lot of flavor to the water, especially when you're having people over. It also makes it really um, colorful and decorative for your table. Um Coconut water is an alternative to me than the sports drinks. It has a lot of potassium, which is an electrolyte you lose through sweat. It doesn't have the sodium content of the of the sports drinks. Um, you sh again, they shouldn't really need that much um, if they are staying hydrated. So coconut water at least is a natural option. It does have sugar in it, but it's more of a natural source of sugar. And um, you'll get some of those electrolytes as well. And then if you did have to go for, you know, the vitamin waters or the calories or anything like that, um, I would add a splash into a water bottle or something like that. They should, the kids should definitely be in the habit of, 
you know, drinking a whole Powerade is not normal, but putting a splash in the water is okay. Not, it's never normal or okay to drink a Powerade unless someone is severely dehydrated where you're calling, God forbid, Hatala, and it's a big issue. Otherwise, they will get hydrated by something else. They might not want it. They might, of course, everyone's going to love the sweetness, but they don't constantly need this Powerade in their hand or they can have a splash on something else. And I noticed right away it has nothing to do with, let's say, a family being healthy or, you know, the fact that I'm a mother, like a mother and a nutritionist. These kids that are brought up or, or raised with water first or, or we, we don't do certain things like this, we don't just have full Powerades, they don't want it. They don't miss it. They actually can't consume that much sugar at once. And it, it, forget about just the sugar content. There's also tons of artificial colorings in there, which is a, a separate issue. And they're really, really not a healthy choice. And they, like I said, they're usually not necessary to go to as a first, as a first resort. And if you did have to, I would put a splash in something else, um, a splash in water or water something down or, or some, some sort of situation like that. You can make fresh lemonade really easily. Even if you are using sugar in your lemonade that you're making at home, the sugar you're putting into the mixture is absolutely less and better than any store-bought mixed concoction. And I urge parents never to use those alternatives of crystal light type of things of where it's uh, artificial sweeteners or ever get into that world. That's kind of like taking a detour in an area that would just make things a lot more difficult for a child to overcome as they get older. Um, it's, it's not an alternative. What, those things are created, let's say, for someone who's, God forbid, uh, diabetic and needs to get off sugar at that moment. So they use it as a transition, um, but it's not an ultimate, ultimate goal to be able to be hooked on artificial sweeteners. It has its own connection to weight gain. It's not tested well in kids. It's upper limit. So, um, again, I, I just really, the naturalness, the natural sugars, um, you know, it to, to an extent, and things like agave syrup to mix that into lemonade, that is a natural source of sugar. It still has sugar in it. It's a different form. But, it's again, uh, it's more healthful, and you use less of it as opposed to using a mixture of something. I want to remind my listeners that they're listening to the Kashvis on the air, and we're not doing our regular Kashvis issues, but we're tying into something that deal with eating and food and Health and taking care of ourselves is also mitzvah shmatimod and lashu sechem. And if you know the Rambam put it in tilchus rotzeich and shmiras nefesh, so the, you have, it's a mitzvah. Otherwise, a person is destroying himself. So it's, we're definitely doing uh, our job tonight. And we have with us a special guest, Mrs. Beth Warren from Beth Warren Nutrition. That's Warren W A R R E N. And Mrs. Warren, we do give a telephone number in case anybody wants to reach you. As I, I, sure. Everybody does need three four seven two nine two one seven two five. One more time. Three four seven two nine two one seven two five. We'll mention it later on in case you missed it, but get a pencil ready. Uh, we're going to ask anyone who wants to call that they can start calling now. Our studio number is seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Again, seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Questions on nutrition only. I mean, health, nutrition tied to Mrs. Warren's expertise. And if you want to text us, that's 347-927-8398. Again, texting is uh, 347-927-8398. 
and you could I see we got already some people texting in. And uh, you can call us at the studio, 718-683-5858. But before we get to any callers, and uh, I definitely have a few more things to discuss, Mrs. Warren, in case they don't call in, I, I want to just take a moment and talk about our sponsor, which is Glotmart. I'll try to stick to some of the healthier items. <laughs> it might end up that these are, these are items that we wouldn't want to recommend. Uh, but uh, for, the, for those special times, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. When you think of Glotmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M, you should think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. They have a weekly specials running from Wednesday to Tuesday, and still good today and tomorrow are the following. There's a few items uh, in the meat area. Beef stir-fry, $10.99 a pound. Uh, down under roast. Don't ask me what it is, but that's what it's called. Down under roast, $7.99 a pound. Mahadran Fit and Free Light Greek Yogurt. Maybe we should talk about that. 89 cents, which is a nice low price. And maybe it's time for you to think in terms of yogurt and to think about uh, Fit and Free, which is very low calorie. And then carrots, one pound bag, two for a dollar. Can't be better than that. Bananas, 49 cents a pound. Pretty good things. Family pack salmon fillets. Six ninety nine a pound. All this is Glotmart, and at Glotmart you can save a lot of time by using their valet park parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car and have it ready for you to load up with all the special items you purchased in the store. And at Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification for both the Star K and the Vatikashos of Flatbush. With base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glotmart you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell him you heard about Glotmart on Cautious on the Air over J-Root Radio. And now we'll get to our first caller. Go ahead. You're on the air with Mrs. Brown. Go ahead. Hello? Hello? Go ahead. You're on the air. Hi, I wanted to ask, um, what does she say about eating at night? What, what do you mean by eating at night? I mean, uh, it's dinner time, or you're talking to me late night? No, like after dinner. Okay, Mrs. Warren? Um, yeah, well, generally speaking, we, use less, we burn less calories at nighttime because we're moving less. So we typically don't need to eat more food than we need at nighttime. Of course, it's different situations of let's say you're exercising at night um, or there's other medical conditions going on. But generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, I tell my patients not really to eat past 9 o'clock. It's a total arbitrary number. There's really no research to say exactly what time is enough time. Um, but it all goes uh, according to that idea of the fact that you're not burning calories late at night. Typically, I find once it trickles past 9 o'clock, people are eating out of other feelings than hunger, which is not a reason to eat. They're bored, they're stressed, or they're finally relaxing, or... Whatever it is, uh, they're waiting for their husband, their mother, they're this one to come home, um, and that's why they just decide to eat. And that's never a reason to eat. Um, I, I have an optional after-dinner snack, but, again, that has to be eaten by 9 o'clock. So I typically get the response, well, I'm up until 1, 2 a.m., which, in which case I tell them then go to sleep because, first of all, you should not be up that late. And weight has so much to do with sleep. And if we were talking about Rambam and all that, you have to get your sleep in at least six eight hours of sleep a night, and just because you are up does not mean you're eating, and if you do stay up, you will get hungry because your body's awake, but no, it does not need those calories at night. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And what do you? And one more question. Sure, what ahead. do you suggest? How many um, carbs do you suggest to have a day? Um, well, I don't really work like that in terms of telling people, let's say, eat three slices of bread per day. If you don't want bread, you don't have to eat bread. There's a lot of foods that constitute um, a carbohydrate. People don't really understand what carbs mean. They just automatically assume it means bread. And carbohydrates are anything with sugar and fiber in it. So even though there's different forms of sugar and fiber, fruits have sugar and fiber, whole grains have sugar and fiber, um, legumes, which is beans and chickpeas and lentils, also have tons of fiber and Um. uh, starchy vegetables like sweet potato and potato. So as long as you're incorporating one of those in each meal and snack throughout the day, then I think you're pretty much hitting it. So technically speaking, you could have something with carbohydrate in each meal and snack for the day. And for me, that's at least three meals a day and two snacks a day. Um, But it doesn't always mean bread. It could be a fruit. It could be uh, beans. It could be a slice of whole wheat bread. It could be a half a cup of ground rice. Um, you just have to really alternate your, your options and never just kind of have three breads in one meal. You would have different forms of grain and different forms of carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you for calling. Uh, we, 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 anyone wants to call us, you can reach us at 718-683-5858. And not just about your own personal health, but what about your children? And that's an area that Mrs. Warren has specialization. We're going to talk about it now. Uh, again, you can call us at 718-683-5858. Any questions dealing with health, nutrition, etc. And also, you can text us at 347-927-8398. Now, somebody texted me. I don't know if it means anything or not. What is a G2 drink? Oh, well, they're asking all those. That's a good question because... Also, when it comes to vitamin water, now they have something called vitamin water zero, or they have these different types of Gatorade um, drinks, which, which you would know more than me if those are actually technically kosher. Um, well, this one's asking about a diet one, a diet Gatorade. Yeah, the G2. Yeah, so again, um, it goes back to what I said before about, uh, let's say, artificial sweeteners. A lot of times, it's not necessarily that drink, but when, when these brands come up with alternatives to their sugary drinks or their sugary foods, mm-hmm. they usually... Sneak in there an artificial sweetener, which, like I said, is not a route I would take. Um, your goal, really, in life is not to need sweetness. It's not to crave sweetness. You should be really, really satisfied as for a sweet tooth from an apple alone, for example. And when, you, when I counsel people who are coming to me who are, definitely have a very high sweet tooth and are satisfying it in very unhealthy ways, they no longer like fruit. And the reason why I bring to their attention is because it no longer tastes sweet to them. So we have to keep in mind that these artificial sweeteners are hundreds of hundreds, hundreds of times sweeter than sugar. So you're making, that's what I meant about making your life more difficult and training your kids' palates to be a lot more sweet. So they're going to have a much harder time when they get older, which is why it's connected to weight gain because it's constantly making you crave. So um, all these like alternatives to those um, Gatorades are or, you know, parries, all those things, um, I wouldn't recommend for, for that reason. Also, keep in mind that the Gatorades and the parries, like I said, were created for people who are uh, training, let's say, hardcore for, you know, marathons and things like that. Sugar, in that sense, needs to be in that beverage because sugar helps these electrolytes, these potassium and sodium, get into your cells faster to hydrate you quicker. So in that situation, that's why there's sugar in these beverages. It's not just like they chose it 
to being there so they can make your kids hyper. For the functional use of that drink, it's necessary. So when you're now making these products of the G2 and all this, whatever it is, a pet, vitamin zero, which maybe has a little bit of a natural sweetener, but still a sweetener in it, it's no longer serving the purpose anyways of hydrating you that you think it is. So, again, I go back to saying go for the water because it's not making you hydrated any quicker than water will in that case because they took out the sugar where it had a functional use before of making you hydrate faster, and now it's no longer there. So like, there's just no need. There's no need to go there. Right. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I, I, you have another call? Okay, okay, we'll take the other call. I have a good question that came in here. Okay, go ahead. You're on the air with, with Mrs. Beth Warren. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. That's me? Okay, I have a question. I have an eight-and-a-half-year-old who's a very poor eater. I mean, really, really, not as a Yiddish mama's uh, thing. He really is skin and bones. You think he just walked off a, I don't know, concentration camp or something. I don't know what to do with him. I want a very healthy side dish. Um, we eat a lot of rice. I felt rice is not strong enough. And then I thought of potatoes. And uh, what about whole wheat pasta? Do you think between these three, which one is the most... Um, before we go into that, maybe you just give us an idea what the child does eat. What, what, uh, you know, you're talking about one thing, starch, but maybe give us an idea what the child is eating and what they don't eat. I give him meat or chicken every day for dinner. In, in the school, he is um, picky. I don't know what he eats or he doesn't. In the morning, he eats a little bit of cereal and milk. And I know that he eats nosh. I try to limit that, especially, but we don't, I don't give them any, any sugary nuts, only like potato chips, salty, but I prefer not sugary at but all. But he gets it at school. If, if, I, if I know the children, they get it at school. They snore from each other. Go ahead. Okay. I know, snore. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, Mrs. Warren, what do you say? Um, well, when you serve him the chicken at night, does he eat it? Um, all depends on um, if he's very hungry. He eats only when, if he's very, very hungry. He never comes right. to say, I'm hungry. He comes home, you know, if he's hungry uh, and the food is not there or whatever, he eats nosh. But, but he's very picky as far as uh, no broccoli, no vegetables, no this, no that. Uh, sweet potato, I know, is very good. He doesn't eat. Right, he doesn't eat any vegetables, you're saying? Does he eat no. fruit? Fruit, um, little. Right. Well, he's well, very picky. You know, he's very picky. Anything I give him, I don't like this. I don't like that. The, the, right. Can you give us his weight? Well, they're going to say I... that. That's the thing with kids that they're going to make their comments. We just kind of don't even go there with them. Um, they're they're going to kind of want to test you. The the thing is, is that carbohydrates all break down into sugar. So anything rice, pasta, bread, whether it's whole wheat or not, and it's definitely better to be whole grain, like you asked, because that has fiber, and makes it a much better choice. But whether it's whole wheat or not, they're all going to break down into sugar. And it, and it does kind of taste a little sweet once inside your body. So that's why they always kind of crave carbs, and they'll always eat carbs. But um, vegetables aren't meant for for us to feel that way. So when, when kids come to me and they say, they say no, I, I, I hate vegetables, we, we start talking about what that means. Like, what does it mean? Did you, first of all, they most likely never tried it. So that's problem number one. The goal in my family, at least, and, and what I try to tell patients, is that they really have to try it. They don't have to like it. You never want to force feed a kid to like something, but the but you can have a general rule that if mommy makes something, we all try it. 
and they might take a tiny bite, and that's okay. And you leave it alone, but you have to make it again and again. They need at least 10 to 14 times of trying a new food. It's really, it's really in science, that number. It's not a joke because they have to get familiar with it. It tastes different on their tongue. It, the, the texture is different. Everything about it is different. Then I explain to kids that vegetables aren't meant to make you jump for joy. They make me jump for joy, and I love just plain salads without dressing, but I know that's pretty unique. If they understand he, that, I'm sorry, he he. As a matter of fact, he loves salad. He loves salad. Oh, you could eat salad, salad day and night, but salad doesn't for me doesn't cut it. You know what I'm saying? No, like, the um, thing is, is that children do not. First of all, they like they like certain foods and they like them often. As long as they have three options that they like within each food group, I tell you know parents to kind of leave them alone. They just have to find three, if he has three vegetables that he likes and they're different colors, because the different colors are different, um, different antioxidants. If he likes like a red pepper, if he'll eat a green cucumber and he'll have a, like a leafy green lettuce, you don't have to bother the, bother the boy. You know, you should definitely work on incorporating other vegetables into your dinner. Like you, like I said, you just, you make them along with something that he likes already. So you make like the salad he likes, but you also have you know, maybe zucchini or, you know, cooked squash or um, cooked spinach on the side, and you just, again, have them taste that. But you still have the thing that they liked on the side, or you mix it into something that you know they already like. They don't have to like everything. And the more fancy you get with cooking, oftentimes kids don't like that, and that's okay. That's their right. So as long as they like three choices in each, um, if they like three different whole grains, if they like three different kinds of vegetables, optimally in different colors, and they like three sources of protein, you really, it's fine. It's fine. You just alternate with them, and that's okay. Mrs. Warren, before you go, before you go, ma'am. Yes, uh, I'm here. What, what is your son's weight and height? Um, as a matter of fact, he's due for a check if I didn't go yet. I don't know exactly. He's, well, he, is he, is he underweight? He's, uh, he's not underweight. Uh-huh. He's, uh, but it's extremely, he has no muscles on him. There is nothing. It's <laughs> only really, you know, you could count his Right. His, well, uh, generally speaking, ribs. a lot of kids don't have a lot of protein um, in their diet. And, again, it's not meant, they don't jump for joy for it. So as long as you're doing the right things by offering it, they're taking a few bites of it. Their portion sizes, um, well, how old is he? Eight and he's eight and a half. Oh, eight and a half. Sorry, I missed that. Um, the and he's very active. Really he sleeps late. He's very active. active. I don't know where he gets nervous. his energy. Uh, well, he doesn't uh, have a lot of energy. He does he have. He's he's running day and night. Twenty four. Yeah, so I don't. I, it might not necessarily be an issue per se, and he might be at a healthy weight because he's very energetic and active. And um, a lot of times, as parents, you know, we we feel like we, our kid has to eat more, or or they didn't eat enough, and and a couple of bites of of a chicken sometimes is, is enough of a serving. It's that our portion, we got like portions distortion, it's called, where we think they need to eat more and more and more. Um, as I, like I said, as long as they're having each of those food groups on their plate and they're eating um, and they're eating them and they're, you want them to be able to listen to their own signs of like hunger and fullness. And if they're full and they look like they ate some of each of the, of the portions on the plate, then you, you leave it alone. I just want to throw in, I think that you, you should wait until the, you go to the doctor, and if he doesn't have a feeling that the boy is underweight and somehow with skin and bones, then I don't think you should worry so much. But be, and also I wanted to ask, what, as far as vitamins, they are not the substitute for food, that's right? Absolutely not, yeah. 
vitamins are security. They're not. They're not the optimal way. Um, and you know, then it comes into the quality of the vitamin and things like that. But it's a nice habit to have. And generally speaking, the studies show that those who take vitamins have a general healthy diet, anyways, because they just means that they're concerned about their health. So, you know, you can always have it at security. But I, I think from what you're making it sound like, he, he likes certain foods from each of the food groups. I think you're really fine. And then you just work on presenting more options to him along with whatever he already eats and and what already likes. And eventually he'll get used to the fact that there's new food still on the table, there's there's other foods out there, and then hopefully later he'll he'll be more likely to taste them. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay, Bye. we're gonna. If you want, if you want, we have an open line right now. If anybody would like to call seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. But I would like to uh, ask Mrs. Warren. We got a few interesting questions here. One was uh, somebody said that he has a three-year-old. Or she has a three-year-old who is a very picky eater. He likes to drink, drink, drink. What's better, hydration or actual meals? Oh, good question. First of all, three-year-old, um, the definition of a three-year-old is a picky eater, so I wouldn't <laughs> classify them yet. Um, they're, they're, that's when they're really testing you. Um, so don't don't worry too much about that or, or kind of get sucked into that behavior. Um, hydration and, and food, although they're, they're related because you're consuming both of them, aren't really related. Our bodies are made up of mostly water, so we need fluid in general. However, we do get a lot of fluid from food, which people don't realize. Um, generally speaking, uh, it's how, like, adult patients I see, for example, to drink about eight cups of water a day. Uh, again, an arbitrary number. There are calculations you could do, but it has totally, it totally has to do with how many people, how much people go to the bathroom, how much they sweat, how much fluid they lose. So it's hard to say, but general healthy habits are associated with eight cups of water a day in, in adults. But when I put people on meal plans, I have tons of fruits and vegetables in there, and they're they're loaded with water. We were talking even about watermelon, where even though it has has a high glycemic index, it's called there, there it does spike your sugar. There's 95 percent water in there, so you're getting a lot of fluid from food too. So they could be used hand in hand, um, but still a healthy habit, like I said, is just getting them used to that water. That's that's the hardest habit to teach an adult once you're older is that a lot of them tell me, well, you know, I, I don't get thirsty or I never think to drink water or I don't like water, they'll tell me. So it, it's when you're three years old, you have the opportunity to get these healthy habits in them. And um, they're related, but they're both separate um, separate goals you have to deal with. Okay, Mrs. Warren, I have here another question, which is I think is interesting. What do you feel about quinoa and uh, pa- pasta? Also, it says quinoa like, pasta or just quinoa. Quinoa and quinoa pasta, right? That's really what they're saying. Okay, also, well, also, I mean, wait, wait, same... yeah. Once one more part here. Also, my son does not eat any vegetables. Where can we hide the veggies? Is, is it better to give him a carrot or zucchini muffin? Mm, good question. Um, <laughs> the quinoa, first of all, is a great type of whole grain. Um, when people hear whole grain or whole wheat, they automatically just assume whole wheat is the only option, and then they'll tell me, I don't like whole wheat pasta. And they're usually speaking of these, like, ranzoni or packages that you find in mainstream supermarkets, which are most readily available and sometimes, you know, well-priced, but they're really not so tasty. I would tell people that out right away. Um, It doesn't mean you don't like any whole grains. Quinoa is another great whole grain. 
there's more protein in it than a regular whole wheat pasta. So there's about nine grams of protein per cup of quinoa. Um, and then they come in pastas. Now, my kids like it. They actually like the flavor and texture of brown rice pasta a little bit more. But I always tell people to experiment with all different types of grains and all different types of pastas, especially if you know, let's say your kids like it with cheese and sauce. In the beginning, you know, make it your usual way. You could always try to make it more healthy later on just to get them to like the texture of it. You experiment with different ways of cooking it. It's, it's a different kind of cooking um, method. It, it gets a little mushy faster, so you just have to practice. And um, it's definitely a great option, and so is the regular quinoa. And, uh, you know, now it's more readily becoming accepted as kosher for Passover, so that's a good thing. Well, I don't want to get, I'm um, not going to get into that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is more, I said more readily getting accepted. The OU is doing it, and the Starcare is doing it, yes. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, that's a, it really is a really good grain to get into the family routine. And because it's also high in protein, it could actually, like, if you make it the right way, um, work with the protein of your meal, too, and not just only be a grain. Now, um, hiding vegetables in foods really isn't, isn't so difficult. I mean, no, I wouldn't recommend having a sugary carrot zucchini <laughs> muffin at all. At the same time, they do have healthy recipes for those. Like, So what I mean by that is, I'll go to a restaurant in Brooklyn, and they have what they call healthy muffins at the register. I say, oh, it's a healthy muffin. First of all, the word just turns me off of it to begin with. But healthy muffin, they say, no, there's there's some shredded carrot and zucchini in there. (laughs) Right, but there's still loads of sugar. There's still refined flour in it. There's there's really nothing healthy about it other than they snuck in the zucchini and carrots. So thank you very much, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go eat it now just for that. Um, What I would tell you is that there are tons of recipes that and there's some on my blog, so that bestwarnutrition.com website. I do have a lot of healthy recipes on there. It's the blog. Um, it will be bestwarnutrition.com forward slash blog, and you can look up, let's say, almond butter muffins and oatmeal banana muffins and things like that. And then anywhere in there, zucchini has no flavor really. It takes on the flavor of what you have. So you could definitely shred zucchini in any of those options. Sweet potatoes, another one, and butternut squash that they hide, let's say, in the macaroni and cheese type of dish. Um, but basically anything you, you puree, um, you could really hide into the foods. Now, it doesn't mean that that's a solution. You should still offer whatever food you're hiding as a fresh food um, in the on the table. And then the, the, she didn't mention the, the age of her child, but depending yeah. on the age, you know, afterwards you could say, but you know that vegetable was in mommy's macaroni and cheese tonight. You could either turn them off or they could realize, oh, well, I really like that. Maybe I might like this other thing. And that's the whole goal of it is that, you, yeah, you could hide it and it's a good thing to hide also pureeing soups and things like that, um, really hide different kinds of vegetables. And then you just offer it on the side and then try to make that connection with them that you see you like it. The hardest thing is to get them to try a food because it's scary. Scary even for adults to do. So um, once they do, they're more likely to to be open to trying it again and again and and liking it. Mrs. Warren, we have here a question that was texted in, which is uh, everybody who's listening to the show tonight, this cautious on the air, everyone's listening to our show tonight is going to be important for you to listen to this one. I want to know if any recommendations of what to eat before a fast. And I'm going to add also what about after the fast. Oh, yeah, and there's a big one coming up, and it's not even, it's just one day because sunset's so late. Um, you have to start fueling for your fast. It's basically like a marathon. 
like you're getting ready for a marathon. So if anyone's deciding to train for a marathon, it's kind of like training for a fit in a weird way. Um, a few days before, you have to start really bumping up that water, especially the fact that we're in summertime and we're already pretty dehydrated if you're not drinking. Um, you have to start getting those fluids in a few days before. And it's usually you see people guzzling. I remember when I was little, you know, family was guzzling water bottles, like, as the 30 seconds left to before the fast started was counting down. That's just going to go out, come out when you go to the bathroom in, like, you know, another 10 more minutes. So if that's not the goal. The goal is to boost up your storage um, a few days before. And that also includes carbohydrates. So it's not that you all of a sudden get this permission to overeat right before your fast. That actually makes you feel sick. And no matter what, within nine hours, those sources are depleted. Um, so it, it's not even really being helpful, kind of making you feel really full and uncomfortable. Um, and those whole grain options, like we were saying, quinoa, whole wheat pasta, sweet potatoes, the starchy vegetable with tons of fiber, having those um, a couple of days before, incorporating them into like a normal study meal plan, especially for people who, let's say, are avoiding carbs or watching their carbs for whatever it is, starting to incorporate it slowly like about three days before, I would say. And then at the actual meal, I tell people to, uh, you, it's still to drink. I mean, you're not not drinking. I just mean you're not taking the whole big Poland spring, you know, water cooler thing and, and drinking it down. Um, but you're drinking throughout the meal just casually, but you're, but you're, all I say is to just double up your portion of a carbohydrate, which in actuality only means a whole sweet potato. It's not anything more. If you want to have a cup of watermelon after the meal, then that's fine. Um, just for some dessert, some added hydration. And, and that's it. You kind of have a normal meal with a double source of carbs. That's it. And that day of before the fifth, you have to be sure you don't skip any meals and snacks. You're having breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. You're, you're being on top of your times of eating because, again, it's that slow, steady refueling, fueling up for the, for the fifth. Now, like I said, no matter what, within nine hours, you're going to feel um, out of it. So those people who wake up before um, the fifth, early, 4 a.m., I don't even know what time it is or 5 o'clock, um, then I, I would recommend to do that. Obviously, you're putting, you're, you're kind of refueling yourself uh, before, right before it starts. So it's not that it doesn't help. Um, having an egg omelet with a slice of holy bread and a fruit, um, if you did want to have your cup of coffee, you could have it then. It really would help you if you have coffee withdrawal. And if you are concerned about coffee withdrawal or you're, you're focusing now, let's say, on Tishabahav that's coming up where you can't do that morning of um, coffee thing, then you have to stop. Like I would say, like five days before, you feel like a zombie, but you you would gradually um, switch to decaf. Let's say about a week and a half before, and then from there tone it down. You were having two cups of coffee to have one cup of coffee, and it has to be a gradual process, and uh, so your body's not in too much of a shock. Or you could just kind of wing it. I mean, I even do that and just you know deal with whatever you're going to deal with just for that day, and then have that decaf cup maybe after. Um, after the fast or something like that. But it's really um, about hydration after the meal, after the fast as well. A lot of times people um, see the food, obviously your survival instincts kick in, and you tend to overeat or you're grabbing those little pick-me-ups. You know, in the Syrian community, we have sambusak and baby pizzas, and you're just kind of like picking one and picking one and picking one. <laughs> Next thing you know, you ate six, and yeah. you, you could kind of still going, keep going. But if you just hydrated, maybe had a cup of tea to slow you down before the meal because it's hot and it's fluid. Or you could you could have that cup of orange juice and then switch to um, 
water. And water, eating watermelon is my secret throughout that break the fast meal because, again, that's hydrating and it's filling. And once you start feeling that, that rehydration, you all of a sudden don't feel as hungry and you're able to manage your plate because your plate, again, should not be that much bigger of a portion than a normal day because you can't all of a sudden refuel on 24 hours or whatever it was of missed food within five minutes. It just doesn't work that way. Um, you're also not using any of that energy. So you have to, again, it's a gradual thing. A lot of people over the night after a fast feel very thirsty. You should have a cup of water by your bed. Um, that's kind of when it starts kicking in, that feeling of, you know, really, I am thirsty, I'm having all these symptoms. And then people wake up the next morning making the biggest mistake and saying, oh, I don't feel so hungry, I feel, I feel strained, and then they skip breakfast. And that next day is so critical, again, to have that breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. Because if you miss out on one, then you're, you're telling your body to stay in that slow starvation mode and you're not revving it back up to, to being its usual energized um, self. So you should really focus on the days before and the day after. And, and a lot of people just focus on the night before and right after. I think it's very. I think you helped us a lot. I, I, people were listening. They got a. They got a lot from that little bit of information. I know. It's because it's not so simple of an answer. And again, my com slash blog. If you if you search for um, like fest or fest day or anything like that, I have a lot of articles on that. It's. Um, I write about it all the time. Whether it's Yom Kippur or any of these things, they're all related. All the same idea of how to refuel and how to prep. So before we go on, and I would like uh, people to give us a call at, uh, at 718-683-5858. You can call us now, 718-683-5858. We have a few minutes more with Rabbi, Mrs. Beth Warren, who is a nutritionist and dietitian and a specialist with children as well. So uh, you can call us now, 718-683-5858. But before you do that, if you, in case you didn't call yet, we people are asking, what's your website? I have a, people texting in here. It, that's Beth Warren, B-E-T-H, Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N, nutrition.com. And uh, what's your telephone number again? Let's get that out. It's, it's 347-292-1725. Just one more time, and they'll get it. 347. 347-292-1725. And also on my website, there is a contact form if it's easier for people. Right. They could uh, write to the contact form. I mean, people should know that if you, if you do the Internet at all, you just type the name in Beth Warren, you're going to get everything we're talking about. Okay. Uh-huh. So we have, we have a bunch of callers now. Go ahead, please. You're okay. You have somebody on? Yes. Hello. Yeah, you're on the air. Go ahead. You're on with Mrs. Warren. Go ahead, please. Yes. I have one little question. Um, what do I do if uh, my husband comes home really late? What would be the best dinner to give him, mm-hmm. the easiest on the stomach? I mean, really late, like after 11. Uh-huh. And, and, he, and he gets up at a regular normal hour mm-hmm. in the morning after that? Early. He gets up early. 6.30. Wow. <laughs> Where is he before that? Excuse me? Where is he before that? Is, does he have any access to food before that? Does he come home at any point, 7 o'clock, 7.30? No, no, no. He's in Brooklyn. No, he doesn't come home. He really he doesn't even... So that's a very hard situation. I don't really know in terms of his day what else he's eating, but, um, you know, optimally he's able to grab something or have something before that time. Um, 
if you can't help it and you have to eat that late, um, I just wouldn't have, let's say, a carbohydrate. I mean, again, I don't know what he's eating all day. I'm hoping that he's having snacks and meals throughout the day because, and not going from, let's yeah, say, 12 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night. But um, generally speaking, when people have to eat late, I just tell them um, to probably skip the carbohydrate and have a protein and vegetables and just try to eat on the light side. I would suggest that, that uh, maybe he should he should pack him a, a, a something to eat earlier than that uh, before he comes home, and that way he gets some some normal kind of food. Uh, maybe it's like more of like a picnic, or it's like a you know brown bagging it. But uh, people take their meals with them for breakfast. There's no reason why they can't carry with them something that's uh, going to be good for the supper. Dinner. And then and then they'll, 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 he'll finish it off with you. You know whatever else you're going to give him. Yeah, in the, house. the goal the goal really is to have your food prepped and to definitely eat before nine o'clock. At well, night. I never get him. He gets home since he's up and he had a long day. Maybe have a, a fruit or something. But that's I really never give chicken or meat. Never. I understand, but no, we, we, want to, we want to make sure that he's he's well and healthy and has has what he needs, and uh, we can help him operate properly. So I. We so because a lot of times when I hear that when they eat at eleven at night, you know, when they first come home, it usually means they didn't eat for hours before that. And and in that sense, I wouldn't. Um, I would say to kind of have those nuts on him, or even some sort of snack on him. Um, a healthy snack just to get him through because um, if he's going a long time without eating and not eating till 11, that's very tough. It's hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you very much oh, for the call. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Uh, we have a question from my um, father. His son is uh, 11 years old and is overweight, oh, big time. Is, and this is the one. This just, is the big one. Uh, the question is how we can start a program. He's just asking about calories. I, I told him that I don't know if it's only calories, but okay, so this is your expertise. What are you, what are you giving us? How old okay, is he? No, he's 11, 11 years old. 11 years old, over, overweight. He doesn't know how to start a diet, you know, how to, to give him something. So just give, I know that uh, it's more than the. It's, a it's not something for one one show. Go ahead, Mrs. Warren. You want to give a few ideas? I have somebody. Also yeah, well, um, yeah. eleven years old is a, is actually a really great age. They they're usually really receptive to change and learning, and you know, making good choices and understanding what what's going on. So um, that's a, that's a nice age to start. I would never call it a diet. I would never even let him think that it's a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's just how to eat healthy. We want to be healthy to be strong, and you know, focus on that messaging. Um, but generally speaking, it should start with his plate, which is like kind of what I keep going back to where for kids, where there should be a significant amount of vegetables on the plate. That's the part that's filling them. When they look at their plate, they should really be seeing most of that to understand that if I want to feel full in a meal, I should be feeling full from vegetables. Usually it's the pasta or the carb on there. And those pastas and, and carbs, first of all, should only be whole grain. Everyone should get in that habit. It should be brown rice in the house. It should be holy pasta um, and things like that. It should be one scoop. Um, it's about a half a cup, which is very small. And then they should have a protein, which a lean protein. Um, let's say like chicken or and really try to get kids to start liking fish at a young age. It's also a great idea. Um, and, and just have that type of balance in, in his life because, what happens is they go to school and, you know, we've spoken about schools before where it's a big problem and they usually have only macaroni and cheese as an option or they have hot dogs or whatever it is or a pizza day and that's it. That's the three meals a week. And 
and you know they, they what they know is carbohydrate or that they know is these unhealthy foods. So when they come home for dinner, let's say, it's really an opportunity to kind of teach them like this is how it's supposed to be. You know, we're supposed to be having all these food groups on our plate. They're all supposed to be filling us together. And a lot of kids also oftentimes skip breakfast or they'll pick a sugary cereal for the morning. And that's another opportunity to have them, you know, it depends if they're in yeshiva or where they're eating and things like that. But generally speaking, most yeshivas have eggs and um, a lot of them have holy bread options. And, you know, it's not so horrible if you can make a good choice at a yeshiva, most of them, for the morning breakfast. The lunch kind of falls apart. But um, but if they're able to bring their own lunch or encourage him to want to, um, you know, again, that model of just a whole grain bread and they could keep, I don't know if it's a nut-free school, but if they could keep peanut butter in their locker um, or their cubby, whatever it is, and just make a whole wheat sandwich on their own and not have to eat those. But even if it was only one meal at school, but everything else about his day was okay, he had a good breakfast, he had a good dinner, he brings healthy snacks to school, it's fine. The one meal won't hurt them. It's that it usually carries over into other parts of the day, and and um, every time that you're with him, you should take an opportunity to make sure to provide him with those healthier options. So he, at least when he's home, could know that, you know, you know there's fruits here, there's vegetables here, and I can eat more of those at home. Mrs. Warren, I, I want to know, you know, we, you're giving some advice to somebody. The boy is 11, and we just heard that he's heavily overweight. Wouldn't and what when is at what time when when do they draw you in? When are you brought into a case? In other words, the mother. I case. I see I see I speak to kids directly. I guess you could say because I, I consult with parents, you know, from when they're young. But I could speak to a child directly from five years old. And what you're working on with them is behavioral modification and some nutrition education. You're making things very visual. I literally give them a plate to use. Um, that has different portions on it and different foods from each food group on it, and they have to use the plate. That's all they have to do. And it becomes fun, and they get excited about it. And um, that's it. And then you just really also promote the physical activity portion of it, which is also critical and typically missing in kids, obviously, especially during the year in the winter time. Um, so we work on both things to make moving fun and also just to be balance with our food choices, and I very simplistically instruct them to pick one. I call it a munchy snack a day, and the rest is fruits and vegetables, or let's say a yogurt or a hummus in, in the other snack day. Um, so we make it very simple. Um, like I said, around 8 to 12 is a very nice age if they're becoming aware on their own, which usually happens of their size or if someone in school is bothering them or something like that. And the child themselves typically goes to the parent and says, you know, there's something where the mom or the dad or whoever brings them in. And that's a really nice age because they really want to change. They understand that that they want to be healthy. And we, we really focus on that messaging. Like I said, it's all about how you talk to the kids and how you counsel them, which is why I really urge people to go to someone who could promote a healthy relationship with food, not get afraid of food. Um and then, and then it changes again, I would say, after the age 12. And, you know, the high school, a little bit different because they have more body image issues going on at play. So it's a little bit different. And um, and like I said, younger than that, under 8, would be the, the behavioral modification and, um, you know, the simple messages of the plate model and the snack. So 
they're just basically we go through different methods of counseling with different age groups. So to answer your question, any age, okay. <laughs> any age, but it depends on how how what the messaging is and and how you you interact with them. And you, know, you got to be realistic right. about their age. And you again, you want to promote the healthy right. aspect of the relationship with food and with themselves, not. Um, turn them off of it or get them afraid. Okay, Mrs. Warren, we have only a couple of minutes and we have somebody online, but just before we get to that person, uh, one, one second, uh, what is IBS? People are asking, ask me, what does a diet for IBS? We only have three minutes left, so I want to take that call. you have anything to say about IBS in one minute or? Uh, one minute? That's like the most complicated one. Um, so IBS stands for irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, it's a very uncomfortable condition where uh, literally if a person eats an offending food, then they will feel it pretty instantaneously, and it's very um, unfortunate, which is why it's so subjective. It, there is um, guidelines for it, but I go with the person. You have to be have a very personal approach to it. It's actually one of my specialties to deal with gut-related issues, which would be IBS. Um, so people could always contact me for that because you really have to do an elimination diet um, mostly uh-huh. or deal with the offending foods and find out what triggers them specifically because you can't just say, well, let's just take this out of everyone's diet with IBS, because some people could tolerate things more than others. So, you know, that, that they could contact oh. me for. Okay, let's grab one of the full callers before that we lose the time. Thank you very much. You're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? Hi, I was just wondering, um, for a four-year-old that doesn't like proteins, only dairy protein, um, is it worth it to have her take those two bites of chicken, or is it better to oh, let her have the absolutely. dairy protein? Absolutely. It's always worth it. Um, again, you don't want to force them, so you're happy with the two bites, and you leave it alone. Um, the, at, four year, at four years old, they're still being a little bit picky. They are, and proteins aren't meant to, like I said, make you jump for joy. So um, just keep providing the options and, and encouraging them to try it, and then kind of mm-hmm. taking a step back when they say they don't want it anymore, because you don't want to turn them off from it and force them to eat something they don't want, but you want to encourage them to try it, and you have to constantly offer it. Don't give up, because... If you give up, they're going to know that if, if I don't eat it, then mommy or my sister or whoever won't make it for me anymore, and I win. So definitely keep making it and keep putting it on there. I have salmon like at least twice a week, and my kids will eat a couple of bites of different kinds of recipes of the salmon I make, but I, I always have it there. And, and if they take a couple of bites, I'm happy because they, eventually they'll take more and more and more bites, and they're more encouraged to try different foods. So it's never a waste. Okay, let's try another, let's try another call Thank real you. quick. Thank you. Okay, one more caller. Go ahead. No more time? Uh, we don't have more time, but also the question is that they want the, the phone number. Okay, you know what? That's okay. good. Hello. Okay. okay. <laughs> You're on Cautious on the Air. Can we help you? Hi. I would like to know about dieting, about the band diet, if it's a good diet or not. I'm sorry, which diet? The band diet. Doing the band. A band I, diet. I can't really hear this caller. Band diet. How do you spell B A N D? Yeah, like you basically the diet that they basically um, shrink your stomach, etc. That's not a diet. diet. It's, it's That's an operation. operation. Right. So I want to know. So, my doctor, I did lose weight, but then I gained back part of it. How, my how, how much o- are you overweight? The, the the doctor say. They say about at least forty pounds, forty fifty pounds. You don't go on any diet. Just do a diet. Meet meet with Miss. Warren or some other nutritionist, and 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 you, somebody good. You work with somebody good. You won't have a problem. Okay, I mean, do you take insurance and everything? Or <laughs> Miss, Miss, I'm sorry, I don't know. I can't. Miss, I can't really hear you. Contact Mrs. Warren. Let's just get the information again. It's it's Beth Warren. W a r r e n. Beth Warren. It's B e t h w a r r e n. 
www.nutrition.com. And the telephone number again, Mrs. Warren. It's 347-292-1725. Okay. Thank you so much. 1725? Yes, 1725. 925-1725. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. We're over time. Thank you very much for joining us, Mrs. Warren. I see they all started calling in. Now, what can I do? We asked them to call before. It was was (laughs) one. I guess I'll I'll come back on. We're going to get you back again. Don't worry. Thank you very much for coming. Okay, no problem. Everybody should have a good week, and we'll see you. It will be next week we have the Cuff K on the air. It's Hashem. Call to.